And now, from our studios in Kansas City, Sci-Fi For Me Radio is live from the bunker. All right, here we go. It is the last Monday of August. I tell you, this year has gone by so quickly, and at times it feels like it's dragging. So, you know, I guess it depends on how much sleep I've had. But I have had my Cocoa Puffs today. I'm ready to go. Greetings, everyone. We are live from the bunker. My name is Jason Hunt. I am the editor here at Sci-Fi For Me, and we are live at uh, Facebook, Odyssey, and YouTube. Hopefully, Odyssey is cooperating. We'll see. So, uh, so yeah, uh, we are we are back again. This show is also available as a podcast on various different platforms. We've also got uh, the comments, the live chat, everything's open. Email address live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. If you want to suggest topics or guests, and uh, we will get those in the, the lineup. Good to have everybody here. Hope you had a good weekend. I, I kind of did. We did our Star Trek News program, Triple Bites, live last night, and they got better numbers than the replay did. So, I don't know. We're, we're having to rethink a few things here. It's constantly, it's it's a constant process of, of abort or pivot, reevaluate, try to figure things out, and see what happens next. So I don't know. We'll 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 go through there and see what happens. All right. So uh, today we are talking about a new book that's coming out tomorrow. It is the latest in the Saint Tommy NYPD book number eleven. Uh, it's Dark Web, and uh, the author of this book, Mr. Declan Finn, joins us today. Good afternoon, sir. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. So this one here is uh, Internet Shenanigans. I mean, you, you, this <laughs> that's the first thing that comes to mind when I see Dark Web, because, you know, there's always this whole, you know underbelly of society thing and it's kind of translated into what we what we get on the internet so am i am i reading that right or is this kind of partially oh that's a large part of it and one of the problems with tracking down anything on the internet is yes the servers might be in one country and the person you're trying to go after is in a completely different one uh the setup for this particular novel is you know, you, you can place an order for anything on the internet, in, on the dark web, including people. And the setup of this particular novel is somebody has been disappeared. And it looks like, gee, a foreign government wanted to uh, have him disappeared. They would like him delivered, wrapped up. And the presumption is he will be disposed of is in a colorful manner. And it's, gee, we've got a clock on how to on how long it takes to rescue him. And along the way, because this is St. Tommy and this is urban fantasy slash horror, uh, he winds up coming up against a private military contractor filled with witches, uh, a, you know, a drug dealer who gets his supplies from the dark web and his white powder 
turns people into zombies, <laughs> you know, things like that and all the fun stuff. Um, and this one goes dark, uh, even for my stuff. And book one started with a possessed serial killer. So <laughs> it, it's one of the few reviews. I, I've actually gotten reviews already from people who have gotten advanced copies. And they said, wow, this might be the darkest thing he's written. <laughs> Now, the last oh. time you were on, uh, we had talked about uh, some of this. The fact that uh, you had looked at all of the different things that you'd written so far and how predictive they have become uh, as opposed to just, you know, feeling like fiction and let's just write some stories. And I suggested to you at the time that you should do some kind of a like a romantic comedy or something just to, to break the cycle <laughs> And, and here you are coming out with something that you're saying is even darker than anything else that you've done. What are you doing to us, Declan? What's coming next? Well, I mean, th thankfully, uh, this one was written two years ago, so nothing has come true yet that I know of. <laughs> and um, most of this has been, you know, with book 10, uh, Lightbringer, I started just deciding, okay, fine. If I'm writing stuff and it comes true, let's just work backwards. We're going to start with rip from the headlines. We're going to add gunfire and Lovecraft. <laughs> and maybe that means we won't see anything more in the headlines because it only gets weirder. You know, if Tiamat comes out of the ocean, we're screwed anyway. But that's a different conversation. <laughs> All right. It's, well, I mean, that's, uh, a, that's a story you can add at, at some point, I guess, maybe. <laughs> <So>. Different book. <laughs> different book. Earlier novel. <laughs> Well, and at the but, same time, um, you're part of the superversive movement, the, you know, the heroes and there are good guys, there are bad guys and stuff. So have, have, have you had conversations with other authors like Richard Palinelli, for example, about how superversive works with the dark stuff that you're writing? Superversive works with the dark stuff I'm writing mostly because it, Super superversive to inspire from above to build up. Sorry, my my, oh, my thought has always been a matter of superversive is just what we used to call plain storytelling. Um, <laughs> you know, as far as I'm concerned, Die Hard is superversive, right? Because we're you know, yes, good will overcome, and what I'm doing is basically yes, no matter how dark this gets. The darkness will be beaten back. How many people survive along the way is a different conversation entirely. So, now, but, yeah, superversive and horror works fine as long as it's not nihilistic nonsense like certain horror people I can talk about. Yeah. But that's one of the reasons why I generally avoid horror in general. Um, it's so much nihilistic nonsense. After a while, it's like, Buddy, if everything is absurd and nihilistic and nothing is worth it, then why are you bothering? It's like, hell, reading it, I haven't read a Stephen King novel in a decade or two, but it's like, dude, I, you're still writing just because you have contractual obligations and a nasty cocaine habit, right? Because <laughs> I don't see any other reason why he's even bothering yeah. or why anyone bothers to publish him. Good God, some of his stuff has just shoot me now. And the immortal words of Donald Duck, shoot me now. 
<laughs> so when when I'm reading this uh, this description of the book, you start off with a Christian internet celebrity getting kidnapped. Was there a specific uh, thought process, a decision as far as what kind of internet celebrity you wanted to have as the target of this because you know in in this day and age especially but i guess two years ago it would have been you know right right towards the beginning we had all of this you know the influencers right in the tiktok crowd and that becoming a thing and of course you've got all these people you know gaining followers and influences over on on instagram was that just a product of the time when you started writing this or was there a specific reason why you decided on an internet celebrity as opposed to just just a regular run-of-the-mill celebrity as if as if there is one well one of the bad guys in this book is going to be centered around the people's republic of china and i wanted somebody who will piss them off now granted that's a long list of people. <laughs> um, but as far as influencers and celebrities go, you know, I, I follow some YouTube reviewers, but nobody's going to kidnap one of them. Right. But, yes, somebody's going to kidnap critical drinker. No, <laughs> no, uh, nobody's going. Nobody's going to go near the nostalgia critic. It's like they'd have to go through Chicago. It's like Myville goes through uh, bad parts of Uganda. <laughs> Uh, you know, yes, <laughs> even the demons don't want to go to Chicago. Um, so I wanted somebody who would piss off the Chinese. Uh, Christians do that easy. Yeah. Um, people from Hong Kong do that easy. I kind of mashed them up together. And my wife was catechized, catechized. I'm probably saying it wrong. She was converted from being a pagan to Catholicism through the YouTube videos of Robert Barron, among okay. a whole, whole pile of books taller than I am. So it's like, okay, so we're going to take one part, Robert Barron. He's going to talk like uh, John Zmirak, who is more sarcastic than I am, as far as being Catholic. We're going to have him come from Hong Kong. Uh, the character's name is Fulton Smirak, which is why, you know, I'm so subtle this way. Um, <laughs> And it's, yeah, I could see a Hong Kong version of John Zmirak pissing off the PRC fairly easily. And that was pretty much how it all added up. Now, when you're doing your research on stuff like this, because, you know, there, I, I frequently will see authors making the joke, you know, about their their search histories and and that kind of thing is like no 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 I'm I'm researching for a book really, you know you're you're into, you know supernatural and drug dealers and and China and all of this stuff I mean your search history has got to be pretty interesting viewing if anybody is looking at it yeah. Yeah, well, people would be very confused because for this book, part of it was, you know. What is the worst? What is the worst? What is the worst neighborhood in Brooklyn? Or what is? What are the top ten worst neighborhoods in New York City? Period. Um, for the record, most of them are in the Bronx. Are we shocked? But um, you know, and that was followed shortly thereafter by, you know, I need a map of the 
Bronx Zoo across the street from Fordham University. I went to Fordham for two years. I'd never been to the zoo for, you know, I already had enough animals. They were my teachers. So um, it's like, I need that layout over here for this running shootout. I, I need, uh, you know, I, my wife who told, had picked up tidbits on something called North Brother Island, which, hey, I collect random tidbits of uh, local geography for the books. Um, in fact, one of my reviewers said, you can tell that he's an actual that Declan Finn is an actual New Yorker for the simple reason that he doesn't go near any tourist trap and he doesn't go into Manhattan. You have no shootouts on the Empire State Building. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like, yeah, point taken. And not to mention, I was looking for a perfect place to hold somebody hostage. Right. It's like, okay, North Brother Island. It's a nice little place just northwest of Rikers. And it used to be a plague hospital, and now it's a nature preserve, and nobody goes there. So, perfect. Now, as part of your research, I don't know that I've ever asked you this before. I, I should have if I haven't. How much do you, how, how, many, how much do you communicate with the New York Police Department as, as far as, you know, making sure that your procedures are correct? And you you get the you get the police process relatively accurate. I mean, you're you're dealing with supernatural stuff and witches and and that sort of thing. So you're you're going to be able to take some liberties with this, I'm sure. But somebody looks at this and says, "Well, no, the the cops wouldn't do that. They do the do, do you have conversations with the NYPD over this stuff at all, or no, or any police?" Um, oh. I have books for research, uh, 400 Things Cops Cops Know, or uh, What Cops Know by Connie Fletcher from the 90s. Um, so I do a lot of research. I've actually been complimented by people who have left reviews saying, well, obviously Declan Finn is either a cop or he's related to cops. It's like, thank you. My research has done its job, but no, I'm not related to any cops, uh, you know. I have a police station three blocks from my house, but no. Um, and one of the things I've been focusing on has been to try to get away from a lot of standard procedures. In fact, I have, I have the cops and I have, well, people who are not affiliated with the police department, so I can circumvent my way around procedures. Um, especially with these last three books where, yes, uh, Tommy Nolan is now part of the Joint Supernatural Task Force. <laughs> so he's technically working with the FBI and the CIA and the FBI still hasn't shown up. <laughs> uh, you know, they had two agents once, they came in for a week, they left, we haven't heard from them since, yeah. that sort of thing. Uh, and, and I have a lot of fun with what I know already. Like, for example, you know, oh, the FBI Manhunter Division. Uh, it's like there is no either A, there is no division. I'm a little sketchy on that. But like everybody who's a fugitive is tracked down by the U.S. Marshals. But the FBI is quite happy to take credit for anybody caught ever. And 
one of the running gags I had in, oh, book 11. I don't think I had one, no, book 10, Lightbringer. I don't think I had the running gag in book 11, but it's been a while since I've written it. Where the running gag was, yes, uh, Tommy Nolan is so straight-laced, and he he will enforce the law without fear or favor, and he means it. To the point where, by the time Lightbringer wrapped up, the FBI didn't even want to host the press conference. <laughs> now that so. th- that that raises a, an interesting point. There are there are actors who don't watch what they do in their stuff. William Shatner is known for this. I'm not going to watch anything that I'm in and all that. Do you go back and read your own books, especially when you're getting ready to do the next one? Do you? How do you keep track of the continuity to make sure that you're all in line with what you've already written? Um, usually because I just keep writing the same world until I'm done with it. Um, St. Tommy was all done in a row. I know I've come out with like four other books in the meantime, but... Um, They've all been written at different points. Uh, St. Tommy was wrapped up one, if either a year and a half to two years ago. Yeah, sure, I did some rewriting, but it was all done more or less at one swell foop. And uh, it's easy to keep track of the world when you're pretty much living in it 24-7. Yeah. Um, and that's the output. I don't really have... And I kept enough of it vague i i don't do real world building unless i have to uh i will do enough world building to move the plot forward i'm not tolkien i'm not going to do the three thousand year history of a statue um so you know love tolkien but i can't do that yeah and especially with urban fantasy one of the nice things about urban fantasy as opposed to epic fantasy i don't have to do a 3,000 year history on anything because New York hasn't been around that long, for one thing. Uh, the closest I have gotten to 3,000 year old anything has been, well, a device where I said, yeah, this predates the flood that we can tell, so this is bad. You know, it would basically, I described it as an antediluvian WMD. Oh, so, boy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. It uh, showed up. In, yeah, it was a it was a it was a MacGuffin for book five, I think. Book four, book four. And it's like, okay, fine. It'll be a throwaway. I'll never hear from it again. And it's like, nope. It keeps coming back. <laughs> so, um, if anybody ever tells you that, uh, oh well, unlike Discovery writers, nothing surprises me. They're lying. You know, even Jim Butcher, who has. Uh, written out like 20 some odd books for Dresden Files from before he wrote the first page, first uh, first novel. Uh, even he has said from time to time that yes, there are multiple, there are still multiple paths he can take along the way yeah. for his overall design. So, um, but Saint Tom, I, I, Saint Tommy's Saint Tommy's a fixed number of books, though, right? I mean, once we get to the end, that's it; it's done. You're not. You're not open on on <laughs> continuing, you know, through book seventy five or anything like that, right? No, no. Book twelve <laughs> is going to be the end. There might be a spinoff with his kids, and um, 
an author friend of mine and Margaret Lewis. I don't know if she's ever been on this show. She hasn't. Um, but, well, well, she's been doing a space opera that involved um, Nephilim or space aliens uh, who are taken off planet. And she wanted to do a crossover with St. Tommy. Which boy said, okay, fine. Uh, I've already written like 20, 30,000 words for her. So there will be kind of an epilogue spin-off, and there will be a crossover. Um, and I have been talking with Dan Humphreys about one of his books in which his character does multiverse hopping. Mm-hmm. And he said, hey, would you mind if he swung by uh, St. Tommy for a while? I was like, okay, fine. <laughs> <laughs> Now, talking about working with other authors, I, I saw a post from David Weber uh, this morning. It was a rather lengthy post about updating all of the different series and book lines that he's got going and all the different stories they're working on and all this different thing, you know, safe holds and, and honorverse and all this. And he's saying, you know, he's he's at a point now, he's 70 years old, he's getting, he's, he's getting to a point where he has to start planning I, I assume he's probably been thinking about this for a while, planning for when he's not here, what happens to those stories afterwards. And now you're talking about, you know, working with other authors. And you're you're young yet. I, I don't know how often that you've had to think about this stuff. But is there uh, any kind of an idea in place for other people playing in your sandbox for some of this stuff or is it just you know you i'm gonna keep saint tommy to myself i mean do, do you have those uh, are you open to collaborating and and such well i'm open to collaborating sure uh who isn't i think about collaborators even 20 years ago when bain 25 years ago when bain started doing it and their idea was we're going to have crossovers between we're going to have our various authors working with each other so that a whole bunch of people will well read everyone else mm-hmm. which makes perfect sense to me and yeah i'm open to working with other authors but uh, i don't exactly have people knocking down my door um uh saint tommy will pretty much be over every time i say he's over there's like another project that comes up. So hold on. The crossover with Anne Margaret Lewis, uh, Dan Humphreys, as he described, multiverse hopping. Uh, El Jaji Lamprider Lighter has actually suggested a brief crossover again with multiverse hopping. And I am doing one crossover with St. Tommy and my other universe, uh, which revolves around vampires. And, that is all I have planned. Nobody has approached me about doing any more yet. So um, after those four things, St. Tommy should be completely done. Right. We hope. What do you think? <laughs> I, I'm already working on. I'm already working on the series that will lead into the cross my crossover with my own universes. I'm already on the space opera which I believe we talked about on the show earlier I think so, uh, yeah. in a previous episode, uh, White Ops. And after that, I'm going to be working on an open universe ma- magic, uh, open universe magical urban fantasy, where it's basically, yes, congratulations, magic has now hit. Uh, 
it happened from time to time. We have some experts, but um, now it's widespread and about half the, half the planet is either reading minds, throwing fireballs, or some miscellaneous combination thereof. So, now what? <laughs> so, I, I've got other projects to get to. That's all. Has, has anybody suggested, because, you know, there's that, there's that assumption, and, and this, I've seen this with other things, if, there, if there's any kind of a faith-based project, they usually kind of get lumped in all in the same category. You've got the stuff that Kevin Sorbo's been working on. You're you're working on, you know, from a Catholic perspective, you've got Doug Ernst doing the Soul Finder stuff. Has anybody ever said, "Oh, you're a Catholic writer. You should be you should talk to Doug Ernst." Yeah, it, and as as if you all just kind of fit in a box over here on the on the on the shelf in the corner. Oh yeah, I um I've had rants about this because thankfully on the one hand, things that could be considered Christian fiction have been involving. You know, it doesn't all look like bad Hallmark specials. And yes, I say bad Hallmark specials because I have seen some Hallmark movies that were decent, but they're usually on their murder mystery channel. Yeah. And the good God, for the most part, Christian fiction sucks. Everything that likes to boast it is Christian fiction is terrible. Um, and this is this is someone who was part of the Catholic Writers Guild for a few years. I left because I realized they're not actually doing anything. And it felt like, yeah, we're going to promote our friends. And if we don't like you, you're not getting anywhere. Yeah. That was the impression I had. And they've changed over a few times. But I don't even have the... I don't even have the time anymore to be enjoying her, even if I wanted to. But, um, no, tr trying to lump everybody in is a terrible mistake. But, hell, even Stephen R. Lawhead, who is a great writer, best-selling author, he's written, I think, every kind of fantasy you can think of. He did one book on the... Byzantine Empire. It was labeled Christian fiction, and everything else for the rest of his life has been labeled Christian fiction. <laughs> like, I guess Arthuriana could kind of count, maybe. Mm. But, you know, he did books on Robin Hood. Christian fiction? What? <laughs> okay, so yeah, it, that's, it's, that's a little bit of a stretch, I think. <laughs> oh, yeah, but it is a label that just doesn't go away. Um, and yeah, it does feel like anyone who doesn't know, you know, everybody thinks, yes, we all know each other because there are only, you know, a dozen of us or two. Um, I wish there were only a dozen of us or two. That way we could network. <laughs> but uh, no, Kevin Sorbo isn't taking my calls. Uh, <laughs> uh, hell, he's not even taking my tweets. Um, and while there are larger markets emerging uh something called pure flicks uh, i believe is something kevin sorbo does associate with i don't know it offhand it's another streaming service oh, okay um and he has done several movies for them one of which was described as a negative as uh, a dystopian future where the bad guys are all antifa it's like 
okay, it, this sounds like parts of Germany on a Saturday night, but what or, do I know? Or, or Los <laughs> Angeles. Speaking of uh, speaking of names that stick and won't go away, let, let's let's pivot a little bit after the break, because there are some there are some things that just keep rearing their heads up. Uh, and uh, now it's they're coming. They're coming for the Dragon Awards. We're going to talk about that here in just a minute. When we get back, don't go anywhere. Stand by. Live from the bunker on Sci-Fi for Me Radio. Sci-Fi for Me is about to take you on an incredible journey into the realms of science fiction, fantasy, and horror. Interviews with writers, filmmakers, artists, and actors. Conventions and fandom. Previews and reviews of movies and television. Sci-Fi for Me is working to be the most popular science fiction magazine in the solar system. Subscribe now and enter the fantastic world of Sci-Fi for Me, delivering the multiverse since 2009. Good morning, multiverse. Saturday morning at 11, 10 central, only on Sci-Fi for Me TV. Back live from the bunker. Turn that down just a little bit. Jason Hunt here along with my guest, Declan Finn, who uh, is a Catholic author. And we've got a suggestion here in the chat. This is from Keely Chalice saying, I'd love for you to meet Odin of OMB Reviews, Drew Taylor of Supreme Heretic, and ETEP of ETEP Wokuians, the place to be reviews. They're all Catholics. So, uh, some possibility of some networking there, I guess. Cool, I'll take. I don't know any of those folks offhand, but Odin, I'll be to find out. Odin has some really, uh, really good takes on some things. He's been part of uh, Friday Night Tights over on uh, over on the Nerdrotic channel. He's got his own stuff that he's been doing. He has recently nuked most of his social media i know he's over on uh he's over on local still and he's got his youtube channel um drew at supreme heretic does a lot of taking a look at modern uh current events i guess you could say uh so he's got some interesting uh, some interesting stuff over on his channel as well all right so um we we talked before the break. We talked about lumping people into uh, particular categories and putting them into boxes and and stuff. And social media is awash. Continues right now. A lot of it is uh, related to Comicsgate, but Gamergate still keeps uh, getting brought up. And and the sad puppies every now and again. I don't see too many mentions of them all the time, but uh, you and I were talking when we were getting ready to do this, and you had mentioned something about uh, about the Dragon Awards and wanted to talk about that. And and the nominees for 2022 have been have been announced. And I'm looking at this list, and I don't I don't know, Declan. Correct me if I'm wrong, but there's a lot of names on this list that kind of surprised me being on this list, given how the Dragon Awards got started, coming out of 
the the sad puppies and the the debacle of the Hugo Awards in 2014, 2015, 2016, that that era. I mean, here we are, you know, 6 7 years out from from that mess. And the Dragon Awards have been around now for what, 5 years, I think, 4 or 5 years. And and now I'm seeing a lot of names here that I would normally see on a on a Hugo ballot. I see Scalzi, yeah. I see Cat Rambo, I see uh, T. Kingfisher, I, let's see here, S, uh, James S.A. Corey, Nettie Okorafor. I'm, I'm a little confused. Now, granted, this is, this is supposed to be a fan-nominated, fan-voted thing, so it's entirely possible that a number of fans have sat there. I've, I've read You Sexy Thing from Cat Rambo. I thought it was a pretty good book. But... It surprises me to see some of these people on here because given given how they feel about how this started and the and the groups that are associated with it, I mean, you'd think that they'd refuse the nomination. What do you think's going yes, on you, here? You you would think that. Um, I think it's a matter of they want an award that theoretically means something. Um, <laughs> this is the seventh Dragon Award uh, presentation. I counted. Uh, so it, it has been going on for a while and uh, you remember a few years ago and Joan Scalzi refused to have anything to do with the Dragon Awards. Right, he was very yeah, vocal about it. Yes, weren't those interesting days. <laughs> um, but there was a whole bunch of backlash against Worldcon lately because an upcoming Worldcon, I don't think it's this year, um, I think it's sometime soon where worldcon is going to be in the people's republic of china sponsored by raytheon uh weapons developer yes and i, I want to say that's 2024 2023 or 2024 i think is that and quite then, possibly i i just paid just enough attention to catch the funny bits <laughs> and you know there were so many people throwing pissy fits it's like guys you don't like the People's Republic of China. I thought you guys were all up into communism, but uh, see, it shows what I know. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be interesting, and you can kind of tell this was a little bit, just a little bit of a concerted effort, um, because you know there were leaked sales numbers a few months ago. Uh, if you go to Upstream Reviews on Substack, there is an article called "Oh, a Whitewashed Tomb." And it's like these, you know, Cat Rambo and a few others were selling a few hundred copies of their books. And it's like, wait, hold on. Uh, the second year of the Dragon Awards, just the second, had 8,000 voters. Right. So I wonder how this math works. Now, for some of these people, um, I've seen a lot of, I guess you would call them sad puppy supporters, the fans. There were fans I tripped over at the time, seven years ago, when Sad Puppies was wrapping up. A lot of them, they you know, they don't mind uh, S.A. Corey. Uh, they don't particularly, you know, they, there are people who like The Expanse. Yeah. Uh, you know, last year, a lot of people uh, kept saying, ooh, T. Kingfisher is great. So that's two down that I know have a fairly wide and varied fan base. 
So some of these names are perfectly fine. While I generally do not frequent a lot of young adult books, some of these names, like, no, all of these names are who? <laughs> so you kind of wonder exactly what goes on here. Uh, Tor uh, Publishing was very, very proud of all the names that were nominated for dragons. It's like, funny, I don't remember Tor being particularly proud of the dragons before either. So it, it's, I do not know what caused the shift. It could have been Worldcon going to China, supported by a weapons company. Yeah. It, uh, But there are a lot of fans I know, and some professionals, not authors. They generally don't care at the moment, at least not that I've seen. Um, yeah, Larry's, I think Larry Correa had one comment on it, and it was, I hope you guys all voted, because if you didn't, you can't complain. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, I follow Tom Prattman on Facebook, and he didn't seem to even mention it. I think I mentioned it because I read his book, uh, The Romanoff Rescue, and that was one of my suggestions for uh, best alternate history. And, you know, he hasn't mentioned it. A lot of the authors I follow just, you know... They mentioned it when they were nominated. They didn't even drum up uh, a lot of voting. Some did, but uh, in fact, the person I know who drummed up, tried to drum up the most support people were all the marketing flax for publishers. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like they care because it's good for pub for marketing. But uh, so have yeah. the have the dragons already kind of petered out then, or is because I mean it really was a reactive thing. It felt like when it first got started, was you know the Hugos are now no longer irrelevant. We need something that's that's for the fans, by the fans type of thing, and then the dragons show up, and there's a lot of hoopla about it, and a lot of a lot of chatter online, a lot of people talking about it, and yay, this is a really good thing. And it just kind of is—is is some of it, you know, pandemic shutdown, lockdown. Nobody cares about anything except let's just let's just get through this and survive. Do you think? Oh, that was definitely 2020. Uh, last year, I know some people, Greg uh, and Con alienated because they were following certain protocols that uh, people had some hissy fits about. And by hissy fits, I mean, you know, even I canceled because, guys, I've been in New York by, for the entire pandemic. Hell, I was in Italy for the start of the pandemic. I remember that. Uh, I moved beyond I moved beyond masks uh, like five minutes after I got back from Italy. So I'm at the point of wear a mask. I have problems seeing other people wear masks in public because I, I have issues with I'm sorry, you're taking out your garbage at 9.30 at night. There is literally nobody else on the street except for me, and I'm on the other side of the street, but you're wearing a mask outside. Right. Anyway, that's my personal issue. Back to Dragon Con. Um, so, hell, for all I know, this could just be a matter of people stopped caring in 2020 because it was 2020, and they're still trying to ramp up. Uh, more support in general or it could be and I've seen this suggested again by fans 
that there have been uh, certain campaigns going on trying to organize large amounts of uh, voters, or at least voting accounts. But I thought but, I thought that was I thought that was frowned upon. Oh, I'm sure it's frowned <laughs> upon, unless they do it, of course. Right. <laughs> we got a chat, I mean, uh, a question in the chat over on Odyssey from Are You Sure You're Awake? What if not voting is their complaint? I have to be honest, I have no idea what the Dragon Awards are. Well, I guess we should do a little bit of a primer on what the Dragon Awards are. So coming The Dragon out, Awards started somewhere around 2017. Uh, now, there has been there had been talk about is the Dragon Awards supposed to be because of sad puppies and the Hugo Awards? Um, it has been the people I talked to at Dragon Con uh, tell me that they've been talking about doing an award for you know over a decade by that point. Uh, they had always been t t talking about it. Dragon Con is if it is it is I think it is one of the largest conventions in the world, not named Comic Con. Right. I think it's like the third, is it the third largest in the United States? Because you got San Diego, Probably. you got New York, and, and Dragon Con, or, the, or I think the top yeah. three. And um, there are official numbers on Dragon Con, and there are unofficial numbers on Dragon Con, how many people show up. Yeah. Because, oh yeah, a million people show up to watch the parade, but that's in public. They're not paying members. And if you believe that one... Uh, when I first went to Dragon Con, they had seventy-five to 80,000 people showing up. Uh, since then, they've had... They've added two more hotels and three more convention-sized buildings, and yet, somehow, it's even more crowded, <laughs> and they only have 85,000 people. Pull the other leg. It's got bells on, yeah. but uh, you got to tell the fire marshal something, or else they'll shut down the hotels. And you have to lowball them, otherwise <laughs> they'll shut down the hotels. So, uh, so that's Dragon Con. They started the Dragon Award in 2017. I have very, very vivid memories of why. Uh, although it says 2016 here, so maybe my memory's a little shaky. Well, because um, 2015 is the year that the Hugo Awards is, essentially went scorched earth with no award going to just about every category. And then 20, yeah. 2016 was when it was in Kansas City, and we covered it from here. And I think coming out of that, I think I think 2016 is when the Dragon Awards were announced. Um, 2017 oh. might have been the first year that they actually handed them out, but 2016, I think, is when no. they said, hey, we're going to do it. No, no. I, I was I was mistaken. Uh, 2016 is correct. Okay. I was I was relating it to other events at the time. But um, now, given the timing, a lot of people said, oh, well, the Dragon Awards are just for the sad puppy crowd. It's like, no, we're just the people who showed up first because, you know, first year and we already had a kind of a movement going. It was called Sad Puppies 4 at the time. Right. And, you know, people showed up, they voted, move on. Uh, that was my first year being nominated. Um, that's one of the reasons why I can keep track of the years. But, um, yeah, and it's a fan-voted award. Uh, you, you, all you need is an email address. You don't even need to pay membership. And some people have suggested that that is a slight flaw in the system. 
Uh, trust me, there have been people this year saying it's been a flaw in the system. Funny enough, um, I saw people try to tell me that, oh, yeah, uh, all these people won just because it's one guy with 50 uh, IP addresses. It's like, okay, fine. I would like to see you say that in the same room with Jim Butcher. Please say that to yeah. Jim Butcher's face, that he only won twice for a Dragon Award the same year because somebody rigged the voting. Go ahead. <laughs> but, um, you know, I'd have no problem saying that to John Scalzi because he's a pussy. Anyway, um, the, the right votes, and, and not just not just fan fan voted. I mean, fans nominate the works as well. And oh, like yeah. you're saying, with the with the email address, all you got to do is you fill out and you put in your titles and authors of who you think should get there. And after all of this is compiled, then uh, you, are, you know whoever comes out on top, those become the nominees. And then the process goes through where now you go through and you vote for all of these top, uh, you know, whoever gets the top number of votes from the fans. It seems, just on the, on the surface, on the outside looking in, it seems like it's a fairly straightforward process. Oh, yeah, it should be. But, uh, you know, theoretically, if you had no life and all the time in the world, you could theoretically, you know, make 5,000 email addresses and, you know, rig the votes however you like. <laughs> I don't know anybody who has that much time. God knows I don't. But, um, but yeah, you, 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 there are a lot of people who are looking at these this scans. Now, granted, there are still some good people. Uh, I've heard a lot of good things about, um, for example, under military sci-fi, uh, you know, J.N. Cheney or Jeffrey Haskell. And, of course, there's David Weber. Yeah. Because if it's military science fiction, David Weber's got to be somewhere. Uh, and but some of these, it's like, again, who? <laughs> yeah. Well, and yeah. I got to say, I, I, I would be disappointed if the Dragons ever went away because it's a gorgeous award. I mean, just the design oh, yeah. of it. This is probably the most impressive artistic actual physical award trophy that any of them have. Uh, you know, I, I look at this one, I think that's very clever. And, you oh, know, everything else is, yeah. is just, just a thing, you know, it's, it's just, yeah. Every, everything else is a plastic rocket ship. But, yeah. um, although I am told the nebula is nice looking, I haven't seen one in a while, but, uh, no pla plastic rocket ships kind of make me go, this looks like, some kind of phallic toy <laughs> but uh no the, the dragon award is nice looking enough it's like i want one just for a dust collector thank you yeah. but um aside from that um so yeah there, there have been some people going huh dragon awards look a little odd this year um especially because we've had sales numbers leak about some of these people now it could be that maybe votes are down also possible yeah but nope i haven't heard numbers about how many people have voted in the dragon awards for a few years granted it's been a while since i've shown up at the physical ceremony which is the only time i heard the uh, vote count announced so that could just be part of the problem i'll see if i can ask brad brad torkerson uh he won a few years ago maybe he can tell me if they uh mentioned how many people voted then 
Although it was funny, uh, I saw Brad a few years before he won his Dragon Award, and uh, he's saying, oh, oh no, it's, it, it's, it's an honor to be nominated, but I'm not going to get it. And the, you know, then I saw the next day, he's like, so Brad, you're not going to win it, huh? <laughs> <laughs> Well, and but, uh, and I I looked at the the Hugo reports from the last you know two three couple of years and participation numbers there are abysmal. I think I think the last the last round I saw was something like fifteen hundred, and I'm thinking yes. okay. And at the height of the Sad Puppies group, I, I think in 2015 there was something like. 5,400, and even then, that's not a huge number, but by comparison to most years, that's the most participation the Hugos have had in, in decades, and and then it's it tapers off from there. But if you just got 1,500 people voting on the most prestigious award in science fiction and literature, I'm thinking, how prestigious is this now? And if the dragons kind of go that same way, yeah, I, I mean, you don't. I don't put a whole lot of stock into awards anyway. I, it would be nice to win one every now and again here, sure. It's bragging rights, but other than that, I mean, really, what good are they? Well, I don't know who gives awards for podcasts, although they should. Um, but yeah, no, that's more people than not that I know of have that attitude towards the awards, at least. The authors. In fact, um, I believe it was Stephen King who even pointed out uh, 10, 20 years ago that he didn't like awards because it was all a matter of sitting at the right table to be with the cool kids to uh, make sure the right people support you. Yeah. Which, okay, yeah. And he, he described the Hugo Awards 20 years ago. <laughs> uh, so I'm not all that shocked. Dragons, I have no idea what's going on. It could be that, gee, suddenly all the tour people are interested, so they turned resources that way. It could just be low voter turnout. It could be a whole number of things. But, uh, hell, yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I was actually about to segue somewhere else, and I shouldn't. Yeah, that's okay, because we're close to our, our the end of our hour anyway, so, you know, that, that the timing works out. We'll have to have you back, and we'll spin out to the to the other topic after that. Oh, mm-hmm. uh, I tell you, it's just, it's, it's interesting to watch sometimes, and at other times, it's like driving by a, a, a car wreck, and, and you kind of, kind of look and see how many, how many people got hurt, but uh anyway all right so the new book dark web saint tommy nypd book 11 it is available in electronic form and in uh, actual physical copies in various different places here amazon apple barnes and noble i have not heard of kobo and indigo and angus and robertson and and mondadori these are new outlets uh for me i'll have to look into these to see what these are so uh, so there is that Declan's uh, website, DeclanFin.substack.com. We got a link in our notes, and we also have a link to Declan's Twitter account, so you can follow him over there as well. Uh, what's next? Uh, is it Saint Tommy Twelve, or is there something else in yeah. the meantime that's coming out for you? 
No, St. Tommy 12 will be out in October. And that should wrap it up nice and neatly. And uh, after that is going to be back to White Ops, the space opera. Book four is coming out in February. Um, although I might, depending on how fast I can write, I might wind up self-publishing four or five novels. But that will depend a lot on time and time is rapidly shrinking. Uh, I may have, let's just say I might be broadcasting from a different location next time. Oh, are you getting ready to move? Or are you, mm-hmm. are you going into hiding? <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> no, um, we're getting, uh, I, I'm moving the entire family lock, stock, and barrel, it seems, that everybody has finally agreed that New York might be a little bit uncomfortable at the moment. I gotcha. So um, I might actually be able to get everybody out, and we'll, I'll be happy to tell you where we land once we get there. Well, good luck with that. We certainly, we certainly hope that uh, everybody stays safe. That's that's for certain. So. Thank you. All right. Well, that's going to do it for us today, folks. Uh, feel free to check out Declan's work, and uh, you can see all of the rest of our work here on the channel. We also have the TV.2, which might be going away. I don't know how much how much it's doing us any good. You can find us on various different social media outlets and uh, different video platforms. We've got a newsletter you can sign up for. So check that out. And in the meantime, feel free to share this and any of the other videos and our channel and links and all of that. Uh, feedback, you can send us an email live from the bunker at sci-fi for me.com. No H2O podcast tonight. I have to go do some day job stuff and it's going to keep me out late. So no H2O tonight. We will be back on our regular schedule. Hopefully, well, next week is uh, Labor Day. So I don't, we'll let you know. So. Find us on the socials. We'll let you know on the socials. And we'll be back with another conversation here live from the bunker on Wednesday. And then uh, the Ranker Pit uh, tomorrow night, 8 p.m. Eastern, 7 Central. So join us for that as well. That's going to do it for us, folks. Thanks very much for being here. Remember, there are four lights. This has been a presentation of Sci-Fi For Me Radio. Copyright 2022 by Flaming Dog Media, LLC. All rights reserved. No portion of this program may be retransmitted without the express written consent of Flaming Dog Media.